In this episode, we'll discuss the cost of following Jesus, specifically as it's described in Luke 9, 57 through 62. Study with us as we unravel this section of scripture and try to learn more about how to be strong followers for Jesus. Welcome to Where There Is Hope. Here we offer inspiration and encouragement from the Bible. With Travis Renfro, I'm John Lindsay. We're glad you're here. Okay, so I guess just to start this out, I'll go ahead and just read Luke 9, 57 through 62. This is uh, from the ESV. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, There is no one No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So my plan for this episode is for us to really just study this scripture and see what we can learn from it, how we can be better followers uh, of Jesus. So with that being said, there are three different interactions that happen here. And for the sake of uh, explanation, I'm going to label the three people that Jesus speaks with here as person A, person B, and person C. Let's recap the first interaction here, and then we'll just talk about it and talk about what we see. Person A says, I will follow you wherever you go, to Jesus. And Jesus responds by saying, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So what are some things of note here that you see, Travis? This is the only one of the three scenarios, I think, where the the person of interest here is initiating the conversation. Mm -hmm. So... He, he kind of approaches this with uh, a lot of willingness and zeal. You get the feeling that he was probably, um, I don't wanna, he's not a disciple of Jesus yet, but he's at least someone who's familiar with who Jesus is and seems to be invigorated by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically what I've got. I, I said he was uh, someone who was zealous that he surely thought he could follow Jesus, and uh, Jesus kind of snaps back. And tells him he has nowhere to sleep at night. He doesn't even have a home. And that his lifestyle is one of constant work and travel. That's kind of all summed up in that little statement. That's mm-hmm. the way I see it. Um, so really, this, this uh, interaction you could see as Follow Ray gives a bold commitment and Jesus provides a word of caution. So um, a little bit different than the other two interactions that we'll see. But as far as like maybe some things that we could learn from this is being so so when we talk about being a kingdom citizen um is that an easy life it's not you know i'm thinking isn't there a similar interaction between jesus and peter when peter says we'll die for you i'll die for you and jesus like you'll die for me like you're right you're going to Mm -hmm. but not the way you think um and i think this is sort of a similar conversation this guy that's a pretty strong statement I will follow you wherever you go. You have no idea where Jesus is going. On our side of the cross, like we know where Jesus is going. He's going to the cross. 
this person has no desire to do that. They just don't know what they're saying. Um, and I think this one, all of, all of these are so interesting and difficult, really, to, to consider. But this one strikes a chord with me because I remember being very naive when I wanted to you know, get saved and wanted to be a Christian and feeling like, feel like I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was getting into. And now, all these years later, 28 years later, I, don't, I did not know what I was getting into. I feel that. But yeah, I, I get what you mean. You learn so much and you realize that maybe the commitment is so much more than you ever understood. And it's not like you're scared and you run away, but you just realize that, um, did I understand the depth of this commitment mm-hmm. when I went into it? Maybe, maybe not necessarily, but that's okay. Doesn't mean I'm not willing. It's it's not a perfect uh, allegory, but I was listening to a Timothy Keller sermon this morning, uh, and he it's a sermon called Joshua and the General, and it's where Joshua encounters this who's, this person who introduces themselves as the commander of God's army, and Joshua's question is, "Are you for us or against us?" And in the King James version, the answer is no. Like I'm not for you or against you. The question is, are you for me or against me? And Keller was making the point that when we first approach Christianity, we think, all right, I have a problem. I think Jesus can solve it. Jesus, would you be willing to work with me on this? And that's the wrong question. The question is, Jesus has Jesus is coming in as a conquering king. Are you willing to submit to the kingdom now, or do you want to wait until later? And later, by the way, means after the, after the second coming. You submit now, not on your terms, but you submit now. Um, and again, that it is a heavy, a heavy commitment that we probably don't properly understand until we're much, much older. Yeah, yeah, we're all uh, called to follow the King. Uh, so he he does mention here that he doesn't have a home. Um, so I think of this as Jesus trying to tell him that he's here to work and not to rest, and that his home is not among men. And I think maybe that's a lesson that we can remember is that um, we're here to work, mm-hmm. not to sit back and relax. And um, we have a future home with him. Yeah, discipleship is something you do. Yeah. It is not just something that you become. Uh, and I think Jesus is, in very few words, saying that. Let's move on to the second interaction. In this one... This one's a little bit interesting. You, you pointed this out with the first one, but the first one starts with person A kind of interjecting and saying, I'll follow you wherever you go. Well, this one, the second one, starts with Jesus telling another person, person B, follow me. And person B says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And then Jesus responds with, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So uh, some things that I, I noticed here, um, for one, he commands this person to follow him, a little bit different than the previous person who um, asks to follow him, I guess, or says he's going to follow him. Uh, what, do you, what do you think that means? Any ideas? Yeah, I, I think these are all put together for, obviously, for a reason. Um, and I guess I, this, is so, this is difficult for me to interpret, to be honest. I think that it does show that it doesn't matter how the approach comes. 
you know, whether it is of your own volition or if if you encounter Jesus and Jesus commands you, that it there's there's still a price to be paid and something to be something to consider. Um, I can't imagine being in that person's shoes though, and having Jesus come to me and say, "Follow me." Yeah. And I'm like, I would probably try to think of an excuse too. That's terrifying. Yeah, I feel like in this section of scripture we see three different ways that Jesus is talking about this. You have the person who says they will, the person who Jesus tells to, and then the person who kind of hears about it and says maybe he will, maybe he won't type thing. Um, so yeah, I think you said it well, that it's, it's no matter how you come to Jesus, um, he expects the same thing from us. I, th- I think when we read this, one of the first questions we ask is, why is this man not allowed to go bury his father? And I think you have a little bit of an explanation on what this really, what he's really asking. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like Jesus is. It's not like this guy had just walked away from the funeral. Um, this guy is basically saying, "Well, let let me wait until my dad dies, and I can take care of his estate, and then I'll I'll get it all worked out, and then I'll come and follow you." It's not like a, mm-hmm. "Hey, give me five minutes." It's a, uh, "Hey, give me a few years, and then I'll come." And Jesus is saying, "No." Uh, and he's pretty harsh, right? <laughs> it sounds that way. Yeah, the way that it reads to us, anyway, it sounds yeah. incredibly harsh. Yeah. Uh, but he basically is like, "Don't worry about him. Come and follow me and proclaim the kingdom of God." So he not only does he rebuke him, he also gives him another command to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I find this so interesting that just this interaction is just so strange. Um, but. Yeah, it's important that you know specifically that this isn't like a, uh, this isn't Jesus saying, I don't care if your dad's laying in the casket right now, get out here. Um, it's more that it's this concept of delaying for the sake of taking care of things at home, kind of the, similar to the last person. But you have any other thoughts on this one? Well, I, it makes you think about when Jesus says, you know, he who doesn't hate father and mother, um, you know, isn't worthy of me. And again, in our English reading of that, Michael, that just sounds mean. I don't want to hate my mom and dad. It's not what he means. It's you're prioritizing something above me, and that's not submission. And again, Jesus is the conquering king. Like We don't get to dictate the terms of our surrender to the king. And that's what this man's trying to do, who person B is trying to do. And that's just simply not an option for us. Yeah. That's well put. So... uh, I do think uh, is one interesting thing here. He says, "How can uh, he says leave the dead to bury their own dead? How can the dead bury their own dead?" I was hoping you would answer that question. <laughs> I, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, I don't know. But I think what he's saying here is there's something greater than death at hand, mm-hmm. uh, similar to what you said a moment ago. Do you think that the charge that Jesus gives this man applies to us to go and proclaim the kingdom of God? Yeah, absolutely, I do. I think it's it's one of the more important things that we're charged with as Christians. You know, Christians aren't just to assemble and worship. Like, that's part of it, but that's not really even the lion's share of it. You know, proclaiming the kingdom, serving those who are disadvantaged or those in need, showing mercy and restoring justice. Those are, those are the kind of the calls that I think Christians are called to be and called to do and not just to assemble and protect ourselves, 
you know, that's that's Christianity 101, and we should be in the master class. I, I think it's part of what Jesus is saying here is like, think bigger, you know, think think bigger, and do, and do bigger things that have eternal consequence. Yeah, relating it back to one of our previous episodes, be useful. Mm-hmm. This third interaction, we have person C who is hearing all this and says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus responds, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This one is a little bit more difficult, a little bit of a different situation here. Um, He makes a commitment similar to person A, who says, I'll follow you. But you notice with person A, they said, uh, I will follow you wherever you go. And here, person C says, I will follow you, but first, kind of gives a condition here. Jesus is trying to emphasize here that the call of the kingdom is immediate. Um, Is there anything else that you think, think of when you see this section? Yeah, I never really thought about, until I was reading your notes, I never really thought about that this third person hears the interaction, at least with the second person, and then sort of has a head slapping moment of saying, hey, Jesus, I'll follow you, but here's my condition. Like, were you not just listening to the previous interaction, sir? Um, that's my first thing, and that's probably really unfair of me, but I get to judge people in the past because that's the beauty of being in the future. The other thing I think is interesting, I agree with what you say. There, there is a sense in which Jesus is saying there is an immediate task at hand. And it made me think of what is sort of implied in Matthew 13 with the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great value. Um, it's just three verses, so I'm going to read it real quickly. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all he had and bought it. And it doesn't say they they did these things immediately, but it certainly doesn't feel like they wasted any time. So they felt the urgency of the kingdom. And I, I think Jesus is is sort of implying that as well, that there is a sense of urgency about what we're doing. Yeah, it doesn't say they, uh, over the next year, they sold one <laughs> item every day until, yeah, you, get, you do get a sense of immediacy, I think. That's a great point. So really in this one, we see someone who's more noncommittal, um, kind of wishy-washy almost, that they've got their own conditions they've come with. And uh, basically, they're saying, I'll follow you as soon as I'm ready to follow you. And um, I see this as someone who's saying, I'll follow you when it's convenient, when it won't bother me. Um, Whenever things, we talked a little bit about this last week, I think, um, or whenever it was when we, (laughs) we talked about this in our our lukewarm episode, just about how you can be this way. And um, I think it applies here. So the the big question then is, does Jesus have conditions for his workers, for his followers? I kind of ended that. For oh. his followers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that supposed to be a question? <laughs> I thought it was rhetorical. <laughs> yes, he certainly does. Um, you know, I, I've heard mentioned before that, and I think it was Tim Keller again. I'm all over Tim Keller right now because of his recent passing, I suppose, but... Um, he's talking about the book of Exodus, and he says the book of Exodus doesn't open with God giving the Ten Commandments and then talking about grace. It opens with 
grace. Like he rescues them from uh, from Egypt and then gives them the Ten Commandments. And it's, it, that's not to imply that there weren't conditions. Of course there are conditions. There, are, there were expectations of them, but grace came first. Um, and there's a lot to unpack there, and that can be very confusing. But I do think, I do think what is clear uh, among, I don't want to say universally among believers, uh, I wish that were the case, but <laughs> very few things are universally believed among believers. But I do think most of us agree, regardless of how we feel about grace, that there are expectations of our behavior, and there are conditions that we have to meet. Um, now, what that, what that means, again, that differs by different people. But yeah, the fact that there are conditions, they shouldn't be unexpected. Again, it's, it's easier for me when I think of Jesus as the conquering king yeah. rather than just as my sacrifice. Yeah. Um, he's both. But when I think of him as conquering king, then I understand that I have to submit. What kind of change does person C need to make then to fit in for the kingdom? This person who is kind of noncommittal. I think they need to realize who they're talking to. Yep. What do you think? 100%. Um, you know, if I look at myself, and you've, you've brought this up, and I think this is a great point, but if you consider, um, consider yourself and then um, how, how you act towards Jesus and the things that he's instructed us to do, and then I want you to, just your attitude, and then I want you to just take a step back and consider a worldly king or worldly power, or someone like that. He doesn't care a bit about each individual in the kingdom, but more about ensuring that he continues to reign and the statues of of his kingdom are in good order, that he can stay in power and all that. So as a citizen of that king's kingdom, he provides you protection and community in exchange for you paying taxes and his loyalty and all that stuff. We have a good king, who cares for us individually and hasn't charged us for what he has given us, but instead has told us how his kingdom citizens are to live. Do we not owe him that much? Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, it's, it's cliche, but we owe him our lives. Yeah. I mean, quite literally, we owe him our lives. And I, I think, you know, part of the maturation of Christians is to move from the, I guess, move from the space where we feel like we owe God, and so we may, we have to do this. We have to make sure that we do this. Let's make sure that we check all these boxes, cross all these T's, and dot all these I's, to the point where we can't wait to give those things to God. We can't wait to serve God because we recognize who He is and and what He has done. And I'm, I'm not saying, and I say maturation. I don't think, I don't think, because I'm not there yet, that you get to the point where all that's easy all the time. Yeah. But I do think that over time it becomes easier and that becomes more and more your mindset and le- less a sense of duty and more a sense of opportunity, if that makes sense. That's good. So I'd like to end with this thought. And really this is what I think Jesus' point in, in this passage is is that there is nothing more important or more pressing than the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us where there is hope. It is our goal to share the hope 
enjoy the We Find in Scriptures with you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email us at wtihope at gmail.com. Lamentations 3, 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him.